Hi, this is Shannon from SIS, the number four, teachers.org. Thanks so much for joining us for our MathMite recap for show 317 and 318. This week of shows will complete our 300-level shows. As you know from the 200-level shows, we stopped at 2817 and 218, giving you 18 shows per quarter. And so next week, we're going to start off with show 401 and 402. Don't worry, there won't be any big gaps in the instruction when we start with 400-level shows. It's just a continuation of where we left off. This will also be our last two shows featuring the mystery math mistake. Look for a new type of warm-up when we start the 400-level episodes. In kindergarten, we're going to be working with counting to 10 and some more. And our mystery math mistake, DC definitely needs your help. He's come up with different number bonds by decomposing numbers with seven, but students have to look carefully to see if they can find out the mistake. At this point in time in the year, kindergartners have practiced analytical thinking, which is, I think is such a great exercise. They always think their teacher's right. So let's them back up themselves a little bit by seeing if they can find the error. The I can statement is I can count pictures with 10 and some more and answer the question, how many? At the beginning of the show, we have a variety of different cubes. This is the first time we're having kindergartners do a little bit of estimation. We want them to figure out what's too low, what's about right, or what's too high. Of course, our students could touch and count the collection of cubes, but we really want them to get the idea of how to be able to make a good guess. Guessing two cubes would obviously be too low because we can see there's way more than two cubes. Too high for a kindergartner might be 50 cubes because even if we look at it 50 on an abacus, we can see that there's way less than 50. A good, just right guesstimate might be about 10. When we rearrange the cubes into organized 10 and some more, like we've talked about in kindergarten, we can quickly and easily see that there's 14. Now, we also know how many students might want to revise their estimation based on how they see the orientation of the object set up a little bit differently. Instead of saying that two would be too low, we know that a good estimate for too low would be 10. Obviously, we didn't fill the full double 10 frame, so it would be too low, too high to estimate 20. We know an about right answer, of course, is 14. It's really great to provide the opportunity for kids to do their own thinking with this process. Then we visit one of our friends, the Counting Buddies Senior, to see if we can figure out how many beads are showing. The Counting Buddies Senior has 10 of one color bead and 10 of another color. It's really important to mix the modalities for kindergarten kids so they aren't just seeing that double 10 frame all the time. So in this episode, we'll match a lot of different numbers with 10 and some more with the Counting Buddy. If you don't have any Counting Buddies in your classroom, check this out on our website. Of course, we still want to be practicing with a double 10 frame, so we ask students to match the double 10 frame with team numbers, making sure they know which number it is. The estimation portion of the show comes back in the extension activity with an activity called Guess Then Count. Kids are going to grab a handful of counters or small objects and guess how many they have. It's a great way for them to understand the idea of what's too low, what's just right, or what might be way too high. In episode 318, we're continuing on this journey of teen numbers. DC again gets mixed up in our mystery math mistake. He does number bonds again, but this time he decides to do them with a missing add-in. He has a total of eight, and then he has five 
but he ended up putting the other number. Did he do it correctly? I'm not sure. Can you have your analytical thinkers find DC's errors and help turn them around? The I can statement is I can represent 11 through 19 in more than one way. As we said before in kindergarten, it's really important to not just show numbers in one modality. In the previous show, we mix up the double 10 frame with the counting buddy senior. In this show, we're going to bring in the third modality, which is the reckon wreck. A reckon wreck is similar to the top two rows of an abacus. Ten on each row, five of one color and five of another. We want kids to be familiar with this in math, too. If you haven't used a reckon wreck in your classroom, we have several videos on how to use it. The big thing to remember is what you'll see in this episode is that you clear to the right. I like to say white right, or if you push the beads to the right, I would say clear to the right, red in the lead. To help students remember that you can put this, a smiley face in the upper right hand corner on your wreck and wreck so they know which way it is to be cleared. It does feel a bit awkward at first when you push the beads to the left because you're thinking, wait, I read from left to right. However, once you push the beads to the left, maybe showing the row of 10 and then two more, you'll actually read 12 from left to right. Then we use two different modalities with the double 10 frame and the wreck and wreck. And we end the show by bringing in all three tools to practice the idea of conservation to 20 with the wreck and wreck using the double 10 frame and we use the counting buddy senior. I really like the extension activity for this episode. It is a little complicated for some students, but I think they'll like it once they get the hang of it. It's called cover up. Students have to grab a teen number and try to match the 10 frame and the wreck and wreck that represents the numbers. I just did this activity with some kindergarten kiddos. Make sure you have a double 10 frame mat and the wreck and wreck nearby so they can see the exact quantity. You'll want to make sure they connect the 10 and the some more, but not memorize it in just one way. In episode 317, first first grade, our mystery math mistake is bringing back something we've talked about in the previous episode, adding tens and tens and ones and ones. This is a hard concept for first grade, so we want to see if they can look at it deeper to figure out if DC is making his mistake. He's going to decompose a number that we're going to see if, we, if Rocco and Aiden can help him figure out. Our I can statement for the day is I can solve story problems with unknowns in all positions. If you heard me say story problems, then you know which character we're going to be using in the show. It's Professor Barbel. We are bringing back this concept of visual models, but in a little less scaffolded manner than we have before. We have different problems that have unknowns in different positions. For example, Alana bought a bag of beads to make bracelets. She takes out nine beads. There's 11 beads in the bag. How many beads were in the bag when Alana bought it? These type of missing add-in problems sometimes can be complicated for first graders just because of how they read. So we want to make sure that you're really walking through Professor Barbell's step-by-step process, rewriting our sentence in question form, figuring out the who and the what, chunking and checking the problem, putting in the bars, and all those great things that we've taught you in the past for students to do to understand the problem. Then we want to find out which equation matches the story. In the case of Elena's story and her beads, she had some beads in a box. She used five of the beads to make a bracelet. She now has 10 beads left. How many beads were in Elena's box? Which the number sentence would match that equation? Five plus 10? Maybe something 
minus 10 equals 5 or maybe 10 minus 5 equals something. I really like this episode a lot because students guess when it comes to word problems. Do we add? Do we subtract? So when we actually have to look at the mathematical statements, it really gets them to think about whether it's going to be addition or subtraction or maybe even missing add-in. The extension activities for students to do missing add-in problems on their own with Professor Barbel and his step-by-step -step process. As we move into show 318, this mystery math mistakes brings you a showdown between DC and value pack. Our problem is 29 plus 14. Students can decompose and make the 29 into a friendly decade number, or they can solve with value pack by decomposing 29 into 20 and 9, and the 14 into 10 and 4. Then add the 10s and 10s, and then the 1s and the 1s. Value Pack really likes to be able to use this strategy. Can you figure out where the error is that one of the characters made? The I can statement is I can think about story problems and write equations. Again, we're going to keep consistent using Professor Barbel and his step-by-step -step visual model process. One of our problems says Mia has nine paper frogs. Diego made 15 paper frogs. How many fewer frogs did Mia have than Diego? This is an additive comparison problem, which is really quite complicated for first graders. We don't often get every problem that we have planned when we're shooting the show. So some of these episodes might be on the part of this episode might be on the cutting room floor, which means it's a bonus example for you. Check out our deleted scenes and our where you can see it posted on the MathMites website. At the end of the show, we really want to make sure again that students understand each equation matching the story. Kids need a lot of practice with the concept and so for the extension activity they're going to do a Professor Barbell puzzles. These are really fun puzzles where students get to match the equation, the visual model, together with the story problem to see if they can make it make sense. As we move into second grade for show 317, T-Pops is going to make an appearance in the mystery math mistake. He's all upside down and confused, trying to solve 62 minus 36. I wonder if T-Pop made a common error that many second graders make at this time of the year when they're thinking about regrouping. Landon and Miles are on the show to help set us straight. In these two episodes, we get to talk more about coins. The I can statement is I can find coin combinations that make a hundred cents. We start off with what do you notice and what do you wonder? where we present students with a variety of different coin combinations that they can look at, including the dollar bill, which is new to the show. Kids might make connections that if they double the amount of nickels to make a dime. We also present with a picture of a dollar bill, but they can see two quarters and five dimes. We want kids without prompting to get the idea of what we're talking about in the show by asking our famous questions. We then start counting nickels. We need 20 nickels so we know that we can get to a dollar. Then we look at the collection using dimes with the same value. We want kids to see how you can exchange coins in this situation. Sometimes counting nickels can be hard, but if you point out that two nickels at a time, you can start to skip count by tens and realize how you can exchange the value. Then we take a lot of the show time to talk about how four quarters equals a dollar, three quarters equals 75, and two quarters equal 50 cents. We want the students to get idea how you can add up different combinations. So we'll bring in the idea of adding quarters, nickels, dimes, and pennies and being able to represent it in different ways. The application at the end of the show presents a child who has $1.18 in her pocket. Can we represent this with coins? 
Can we use with a paper dowel? And then we do an activity called handful of coins where students can do just that. They can grab a handful of coins, draw a picture to represent the coins, and then they're going to add up the total. In episode 318 for second grade, our mystery math mistake features our friend T-Pops. Since students did so well on catching the math mistake in 317, this one should be easy. We purposely make the warm-up similar in each of the sets of the shows to help the students get practice on the concept and hopefully take their learning deeper in the second show as they approach the familiar concept or problem. The I can statement is I can solve addition and subtraction problems in the context of money. This is helping kids to be able to stretch their thinking a little bit to see if they can apply their knowledge to coins and money. The first step is how many coins do you see and how do you see them? It's really interesting in this picture because there's actually pennies, dimes, and nickels but there's a total of eight of each of the coins. We talk about the idea that even though the actual quantity of the physical coins is the same, that doesn't mean that their values are the same. Then it's time to go shopping. Kids list off things they might want to buy, such as a pack of pencils or a pencil sharpener, an eraser or a pen. They're going to the school supply shop with a certain amount of money. These problems involve addition and subtraction, and we have to add the total items that we have and then subtract it to what we're going to pay with. We may even use a math mic character in the show to help us solve some of these. We give a variety of examples here where students buy different things. We want them to highlight where we need to add and subtract. We know sometimes when we're counting money, the really great character to use is Springling, and we also can use DC when we're adding. The independent activity is a trip to the toy store. Students have to figure out how much different items cost and then how they can figure out how to spend the money with what and see what they have left. In episode 317 for third grade, our mystery math mistake features the multiplying up strategy. Springling has gone wrong in counting up in the problem 84 divided by 7. Somewhere there's an error, and the friends Nora and Layla are going to help find it. We continue our journey through fractions in these two shows. The I can statement is I can represent and compare fractions. We ask students to look at two fraction strips, but one of them has a cloud covering part of it. We ask, what do you notice? What do you wonder? Even though the cloud isn't covering a portion of the fraction strip, we hope that kids can still compare them by looking at the amount that we see shaded. Then we ask, are these fractions equivalent? If you're looking at a half or and a third, are they equivalent? One of our friends says no. I have to look at the two fractions on a number line. I can see they're not equivalent. We use some of the tools that kids have learned about throughout previous shows to help them determine their answers, from the area model papers to the fraction tiles and even the number line. Students also ask to compare 4, 6, and 5, 6. This one is a bit more simple because it's a common denominator strategy, so students can decide if the two fractions are equivalent by looking at how many pieces there are. Once we determine 4, 6, and 5, 6, aren't equivalent, we can then use the concept to help them look at it differently. One child might say 4, 6 is less than 5, 6 and show their work on a number line, but another student might disagree and say 4 fifths is greater than 5, 6 and show their number line. Who is right? One of the most takeaway messages in this show is that when we compare fractions and are looking at comparing fractions and the length of the number line we're using, it must be the same. Unless the number line matches exactly, we really can't. A compare app. We're not really comparing apples to apples.
In this show, we prompt kids to come to the realization, as we've talked about, that they've noticed and make connections of what we already know about fractions to help us when comparing. You and I both know that when students make that number line in comparing fractions, they oftentimes don't line them up, which can cause the issues that we're talking about. The independent activity is called Fractions Take Action. Students will decide if their problem is going to have a common denominator or a common numerator, and then figure out the best way to determine if the fractions are equivalent. In show 318 for third grade, our mystery math mistake is the second one to showcase the multiplying up strategy. Springling is trying to solve 96 divided by 6. Can you figure out the error? For this show, we're going to take what we learned about equivalent fractions and add it to the to this with the I can statement if, of I can compare two fractions with the same numerator. What? We often hear about the common denominator, but we don't often talk about the common numerator. On this show, Priya says that 5 6 is greater than 5 8, but Taylor says that 5 8 is greater than 5 6. Let's look at how students are really thinking about this kind of comparison. We know that 6 are larger than 8. So, if 5 6 is greater than 5 8, right? When you're looking at the fraction that is a common numerator, we know we're talking about the exact amount of pieces. So we're going to have five pieces out of six or five pieces out of eight. It might help if kids can relate this to eating something. Do you think you'd want to have a piece of pie cut into ace and have a slice or a pie that's cut into six? Once you have a good idea of the size of pieces, we know we're talking about the same amount of pieces. So obviously five six is a lot larger than five ace. We use the same strategy as we start to look at comparing fractions, like three-fourths and three-eighths. Again, kids often have a fear of fractions and they don't really want to think about them. But wait a minute, those fractions have a common numerator. If I thought about taking a brownie pan and I cut it into four pieces, would I want the piece that size? Hmm. Or would I get a bigger piece if the brownies were cut into eight slices? I only get three pieces, so which size would be greater to have? Students have to use that common numerator process to help them understand three-fourths is larger than three-eighths. As we move on, we want to make sure kids are looking at this idea of the common numerator, five-thirds or five-sixths. Well, someone thinks that thirds are larger, but they also have to remember that five-thirds is a fraction larger than one. You might call it an improper fraction in your classroom. It's okay for kids to say improper fraction. In fact, many tests will label it like that. But I always like to ask third, fourth, and fifth graders, what is an improper fraction? Their answer is usually the numerator is larger than the denominator. But we want to tie it back to number sense. Help your kids to get in the habit of calling it the fraction larger than one whenever they see a fraction where the numerator is larger than the denominator. We spend a lot of time in the show at this common numerator idea. I think it's a very great idea for your third graders to think about fractions. A really fun game that we're going to play is called Spin to Win. 
we're going to look at it with either the same numerator or the same denominator. I hope you're having as much fun as we are with all these MathMite shows. Remember, if you've already taught the concept in your classroom this year, file these episodes away for next year. Also remember, if you're an M-Cube member, Molding Math Mindsets, you have the footage that we use to create the videos, the PowerPoints that I made with the instructional videos with number talks, mystery math mistake, the Professor Parble problems. It's already put together, ready to use, just one click on your M-Cube dashboard. We have separate MathMite pages created just for members so you can use those problems. So many of our schools are using MathMite shows for summer school instruction. Great idea because the work's already done for you, even the extension activity and the independent activity that goes with it. Thanks so much for joining us.